Hey, Donnie here. I wanted to tell you about Champions 90. Champions 90 isn't a workout routine or a fitness routine. This is about you transforming your life mentally, giving yourself an upgrade while you build to business freedom. Champions 90 is about you getting quiet with your thoughts, staying focused on building your business and getting you to freedom. Come join the challenge at champions90.com. All right, guys, this is going to be just an amazing, amazing episode. Uh, I'm going to be sitting down with Mike Michalowicz, and we're going to, I mean, you know, here's what I love, is we didn't spend a whole lot of time on his backstory. We really just started jumping into a lot of the philosophy behind business, entrepreneurism, and, you know, there, there wasn't any fluff. It was really, really, really pretty cool conversations. I really, really enjoyed it. I know a lot of you guys were asking the for me to get him on the show so you could hear, you know, more of an intimate conversation with him. So, so I think you're really going to enjoy this one, you know, and this show as it has been for, for quite a few episodes now is brought to you over there by a uh, point blank safety services. So Stacy McGovern, Michael McGovern, they're doing awesome and amazing things for the, the freeways and, you know, highways and everything they do by protecting the construction workers, protecting the drivers, and just keeping everybody safe while helping police officers like we, that we all know just aren't paid enough to do what they do and to put their life on the line every day for us. You know, so they're really helping these police officers not only protect us, you know, in the after hours, but protect their families financially by giving them additional jobs and works that they can do on a regular basis. These guys are doing, I mean, just tremendous work. And I love that they have taken their business success and, and turned it over to really help out the nonprofit they started, which is called Blue Family Fund. And, you know, that, that organization is giving scholarships and is helping out the families of fallen officers. You know, it's, it's, really cool to see a company to remember, you know, really where they came from and really giving back to the community as a whole. So, so do me a favor, guys, go follow them on Facebook, go check them out on, you know, Instagram, check them out, uh, on, you know, their website, send them messages and let them know that Donnie sent you. Um, but you can find almost everything that they're at, either at Blue Family Fun or Point Blank Safety on almost all the platforms. Go say hi to them. I couldn't do this show without them. You want to quit right now, don't you? I see it in your eyes. You want to give up right now. But you can't give up on the fight right now. Look up. The finish line is in sight right now. Your success and greatness is ready to take flight right now. The fruits of your labor are just turning ripe right now. That's why you planted all those seeds so you can take a bite right now. The unbelievable is now believable. You're reaching new heights right now. The ground is no place for champions. The ground is no place for champions. The ground is no place for champions. I know a lot of you guys have been harassing me about getting Mike on the show, so I'm bringing on Mike McCallowitz, dude, and this is going to be a lot of fun. We've already been smoking and joking about being two Polish guys on a podcast. What could be wrong with that? So it should be interesting. <laughs> but I'm Donnie Bovey, and this is Donnie Success Champions. Mike, tell us your story, brother. Welcome to the show. Donnie, thank you for having me. I mean, yeah, my story is uh, I'm an author uh, and excited to be here, and I'm on a mission to eradicate entrepreneurial poverty 
there, there's so many elements that I struggled, struggled with with entrepreneurship and so many fellow entrepreneurs struggle with. And my goal is to fix that for all of us. I love the whole phrase entrepreneur poverty I, because that's, I, you know, that was a lot of my business for a little long time, you know? Uh, well, you, you know what it is, is uh, I, I, Donnie, when you started your business, I suspect it's the same as when I started mine and everyone listening, you start your business and you have these friends who've never owned a business. They're not entrepreneurs. Right. And they look at you and you go, oh, you started a business. Oh, now you're a millionaire and you sit on the beach and all you do is drink margaritas. Like there's this perception is that if you're a business owner, you're wealthy and you've all the time in the world. The reality is actually the polar opposite, right? So we have no time. We right. work our ass off. We sacrifice family. We don't go on vacations anymore. And we make no money. As, as a general population, we are struggling financially. So there's this gap and I call that entrepreneurial poverty. And so my mission is to resolve that, to make us what we are envisioned to be. And when you have wealth, when you have time, you can be of impact. You can serve others. I mean, we need to do this. No, I love this because, well, because I think there's one more twist on that whole entrepreneur jump because if they're, if they don't think you're automatically super wealthy, the other thing is, is that the, the question, what the hell do you actually do for a living? No, oh, yeah, right, right, right. <laughs> so, so you're not only battling, you know, how much money you're supposedly making and all this freedom that you have, you know, now, you know, my wife still, people ask her, so what does Donnie do? And she's like, he kind of does this podcast, you know, speaking. Yeah. I don't know what he does, you know. <laughs> it's funny. So when I, uh, I remember I sold my first company. I was all proud. I came home to my dad uh, and I said, dad, I sold a business and uh, told him like what happened. And he goes, oh, congratulations. He goes, uh, so are you going to have a real job now? <laughs> the company that bought you? And I'm like, what? And he's like, yeah, because there's security in that. And I love my parents. My parents have been extraordinary to me. They love me. And uh, both of them, though, are entrapped in their perception of what success is. Get a job, stick with a job for the entirety of your life. And I think all the people that surround us have their perception. Our spouses all have a perception. And when we do something that, as an entrepreneur, the rule is to break the rules, right? That's, that's right. our job, is to challenge industry, to bring around concepts. It's new to everyone. So everyone's like, what the F are you doing? Like right. they, it's not comprehensible. Well, you know, what's also interesting is, and I don't know about you, but when I launched my business, it, was, it took me a long time to realize that I'd spent so long as an employee, right? So yeah. um, when I launched my business, I kept constantly, you know, trying to almost create a job for myself versus a company. You know, and I'd get lost in the business because yeah, yeah. it was so hard to make that shift. That's why I tell people that entrepreneurs are made, not born, you know, because you got to get punched in the face a lot, you know, by life to start figuring things out. Was that kind of the same thing you went through or did you just step in, you know, golden riches just fell from the sky? And oh, of course. So that's exactly <laughs> my journey. Yeah. I just, uh, yeah, I just started the business and people were like throwing money at me. I'm like, what is it this year? <laughs> No, no, of course not. You know, my first, my first business was in computer systems. I was a computer guy and, uh, I opened the door and I actually your pocket protector. I don't see it. Yeah. Well, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, I, uh, I thought, I literally thought actually Donnie, that's what happens. Like I would call, make a few phone calls saying, Hey, I started a business and the money would flow in. Mm -hmm. I called a few people and they're like, Oh, congratulations on your new business. No, I'm already taken care of. And I was like, what? But you know me, I'm your friend or <laughs> we have a past acquaintance. No, no, I'm taken care of. And uh, at the end of the day, when everyone was taken care of and didn't need me, the holy crap moment yeah. kicked in. Um, I think in the beginning stages, 
an excellent motivator for us entrepreneurs actually is fear. The first few years of my business, I was terrified. And what that terror does is it kept me awake. I would wake up at four in the morning and like just get to work and, and do whatever it takes. And I'd work till you know midnight and I'd repeat the process over and over again because I was scared, I was desperate, I was panicked. The challenge though is fear at a certain point becomes detrimental. So it, it does give you energy. Uh, it also gives you stress and starts breaking you down. So illness kicks in, oh, exhaustion. So of course there's a flip side. You don't want to live in fear for the entirety of your life. Use it as a spark. And then over time, you need to convert that. I, what I did was to confidence. And confidence is once, you, once I started getting a little bit of a routine and I started to see some results, I said, okay, I'm going to try repeating that. And I started to focus on what was working and doing more of what was working. But of course, for none of us, you, you don't start a business and money falls in your lap. And if it does, you're a lottery winner. And it's actually often a curse because then you believe, oh, you don't need to make an effort to make this right. money. And so I think there's the occasional, and you see them on the cover of Inc. Magazine. Oh, started a business when you know, she was 23 years old. And by 24, she's a billionaire. Um, in many cases, that becomes their detriment because they don't understand their true journey of an entrepreneur, which is struggle through the valleys to get to the peaks. Yeah, you know, Jim Rohn, go way back as far as motivational speakers go um, and whatnot, you know, it has a great phrase. He says, you know, the first thing you do when you're handed a million dollars is you mentally have to become a millionaire because most people go through that ride and journey to whatever success they get through. And it's all those lessons that shape and mold them, prepare them for that success. And, yeah. you know, I love telling people that entrepreneur is like the new multi-level marketing thing because <laughs> people go into multi-level marketing or network marketing and they're like, Oh, I'm going to be a millionaire tomorrow. You know, this is the naked greatest thing. Yeah. I can work whenever I want to sleep whenever I want to and do all that. So True. they launch businesses thinking, you know, along those same lines. And I, I was just as guilty of it. I mean, when I launched my business, I really thought, you know, the heavens were going to open up and everybody's going to be like, finally, Donnie showed up and, you know, let's make a lot of money together. Yeah. Not knowing that uh, you have to learn to run a business before you can begin to find any sort of success. But, you know, it's, it's a really interesting twist that how much you personally have to evolve along that journey to become a better version of yourself. Holy effing true. And uh, I love that you called it the multi-level marketing because I, <laughs> I haven't heard that before, but I, I've started to have the sentiment about a year ago, it kicked in. Everything I talk about is entrepreneur, like entrepreneurs, you know, I love entrepreneurship and all the books I write, everything's to support the entrepreneur. I, I, I'm starting to become convinced that the word entrepreneur is actually a dastardly term now. I, I think it's actually hurting us because entrepreneurship has been equated to hustle and grind. And I hate those terms. Same, same. I hate them. And so um, I, I understand the sentiment though. I understand hustle and grind means you got to make effort. Like when I started my businesses, fear was my motivator. I had to hustle and grind. Here's the problem. I think most people are interpreting it that entrepreneurship is a perpetual hustle and grind. And 10 years into it, you better be grinding it out. In 20 years, you better be grinding harder. You got to carry this business on your back. And that's the antithesis of what entrepreneurship is entrepreneurship, the true definition is identifying an opportunity, taking a risk to make it happen, and then choreographing all these resources, people, technology, even your clients to make that vision a reality. It's not doing the work. It's the choreographing of other resources. Right. So I actually, I tell people, I was, I was speaking yesterday at an event and, uh, you know, I'm in the room as an entrepreneur and I say, uh, I say, I got a challenge for you. When, when people, you're at a dinner party or something, they ask you, what do you do? What do you say? And often it's like, well, I'm an entrepreneur who does X. I said, how about we don't use the word entrepreneur anymore? 
how about, and not even business owner. I don't like that team term either. Cause it's the same thing. Right. I said, what if you call yourself a shareholder? Like what if someone says, what do you do? Say, Oh, I'm a shareholder in a business. What? Just by changing that label, people are like, what the what? Yeah, because I'm going to, if somebody hits me with that, I'm going to be like, wait, what? what? <laughs> but, you, but, you know, we, many people are shareholders. I, I own some stock, you know, some publicly traded stock. I'm in mutual funds. I'm a shareholder. Now, do I go to those companies and grind and hustle out, you know, hustle to make them successful? No. Do, do I... Um, do I do anything in the business? No, I do vote when it comes to shareholder votes and stuff. I do give it some direction as a shareholder, but I'm not actively participating in it. When we use the label of entrepreneur, we are saying we have to actively work our asses off inside the business. I think if we use the term shareholder, it shocks ourselves back to the reality that our mission is to vote maybe through some action. Mike, but I see a new book coming out of this whole thought. thought wait, wait, we call it, what should I call it? I don't know, but but the, um, uh, something along the lines of start calling yourself a share, you know, a shareholder. I, I think because it's a cool philosophy, man. Yeah. So it's funny. So I, I may have a book title right now. It's called Entrepreneur. <laughs> <laughs> I think I'll buy that book when it comes out, dude. <laughs> uh, my my publisher, I told him like I don't I don't think so, but um, maybe you know because I think we've we've bastardized ourselves so much. We uh, we, yeah we got to change our label. Because when we change our label, we change our behavior. It's hard to change our behavior first and still hold an old label. So we got to do yeah. that. No, I, I agree with that. Now, you know, it's, it's, I got a funny book too. It's called That's Not How You Journal Jackass. So I've got one of those too. <laughs> nice, nice. <laughs> it's an ebook. It's free. But, um, you know, uh, uh, the, here's what I knew. is like when I launched my business, I had no idea what to call myself. I didn't really yeah. think I was an entrepreneur because I think entrepreneurs in truth, in my opinion, are the craziest sons of bitches on the face of the earth. Yeah. Right? Because you've got to be just batshit crazy nuts to go yeah. into business. And that's my opinion. So I was, I was wrapping my head around that I was more of this business owner that wanted to create this one business, this one company, this one model and, and, you know, take it through. I wasn't really worried about leaving a legacy type thing. You know, I just wanted to get to, to that freedom state. That's all I was looking for. Um, and, and I really, I've never been hung up on titles and such, but people kept asking me, what do you put on a business card? I'm like, my name? I mean, I don't I didn't know what to actually put on there. So, but then it evolved and now it says, I think business owner, I think I put CEO at one point, but I'm like, I'm a CEO. I have some virtual assistants, but, but you know, I'm not really have employees. So what am I really a CEO of? Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> You know, but you, you dance with all these thought processes and I, I really love this whole idea of you're a shareholder because it really makes you shock your own system to yeah. re revamp how you position yourself in the marketplace. You know, this plays out with employees too. I, I used to, I have, a, my company's tiny, I have 14 employees, uh, 13, I'm number 14, right? I mean, we're a micro business and, uh, I used to give my colleagues big titles. So I'd bring someone on and uh, maybe call them the CFO, right? Right. Yeah, and or the, the office manager. And what I found is they, just like me, start believing that title is who they are. Mm. So I had a person who was not even, didn't even have a degree in accounting. Um, she was part-time but she was handling our numbers. So instead of calling her the internal bookkeeper or something, we said, you're going to be our CFO. She went online and said, found that instead of paying $30,000, which we were paying her, that a typical CFO makes like 125,000. And she came back to me literally and said, Mike, 
I'm being so freaking underpaid. I'm a CFO for this organization. Uh, I deserve $125,000. You're ripping me off. And I'm like, whoa, whoa. I said, that's just a title. She goes, no, look, all CFOs make this. And my response was like, well, you can't, you can't go to Ford or GE and say you want to be their CFO and get your 125. You, you, have, you don't have any experience. This is just a title. It, it didn't matter. It, it wasn't, and she quit. It, she couldn't comprehend that. And what I realized is once we start owning a title, that becomes who we are. And this is not just true for us entrepreneurs. This is true for all of humanity. And if right. we call ourselves, you know, I'm stupid, you will become stupid. If you say I'm, I'm lazy, you'll become lazy. If you say I'm driven, you'll become driven. But you have to just keep on repeating enough times until you actually believe it. And then we have to comply with that title. Otherwise, we can't own the title. Well, so be very judicious in how you use titles is kind of the lesson here. Yeah, I love it. I love it. So Kevin Snow, who builds out all the automation for the back end of my stuff, you know, he put on their title of my first email campaign and went out. The, the title he gave me was Founding Badass of Success Champions. I'm like, okay, I'll take that. Yeah. But, you know, that, that says a lot, but you know, that's, you know, so if you're going to give yourself a title, give yourself a title that you want to step into, you know, that you want to totally own like founding badass, you know, or something else along those lines. But it's interesting that, because I could see that, you know, I, I mean, going through my career, there was a part of me that wanted to be sales manager, sales manager, sales manager. And then I got sales manager. I'm like, fuck, I don't want to be a sales manager. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you know, yeah. so there's a lot to be said in, 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 you know, in those roles in corporate America, structure, formality, there's a lot of responsibility of owning certain titles. And oh, there totally is. And, and so I, I think as a small business owner, I, you know, I aspired, not anymore, but I aspired to be the big company. I wanted to have a billion dollar corporation. I wanted to be the CEO of Amazon or whoever, you know, after Jeff retired, I want to take over. Right. And so I wanted to make my own version. So I said, well, if I want to be that, I have to act as if. That's a popular term, act as if. So I'm going to start using those titles right now. But, but I'll tell you, the outside world too, it's like, that's kind of a sham. If I call myself the CEO and I walk in with my little mini company, people are like, how, how many people report to you? Well, no one. It's only a couple of virtual people. Are you really a CEO right. or are you uh, an entrepreneur that's starting in bootstrapping? And I, so there's a risk there too. There's this disconnect. And if we... If we package ourselves, I think, in the wrong way, it's dangerous. In fact, our business cards, no titles whatsoever. Because I do know I go into a sales situation. Sometimes it helps to say I'm the owner. Sometimes it helps to say I'm the sales guy. And, right. and being the owner actually is a detriment. So I, I think titles is just an interesting conversation in, in what we aspire to have. But we also have to see the outside perception around titles. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, um, I got a good question because I know my, my followers have been, been hounding on me. Um, and I got a lot of people that follow your book, Profit First. Oh, um, thank you. It, it was oh. the first book that, that, that I read of yours. Um, horrible book, by the way. I didn't take it. <laughs> right. right. <laughs> Top 10 worst book of all time. Right, right, right. I got, at least I got a ranking somehow. somehow. Yeah. I mean, hey, you know, you put profit in there. It has to sell at least one book. Right, right, right. <laughs> I should put like an F-bomb in there because that seems like the popular books now. Like, you know, the subtle art of effing. and Yes, all. yes. I should put like F-prop. Or something. <laughs> um, uh, you know, I'm getting a lot of the guys out of the UK right now on the podcast because they're really trying to make a push. They're calling it the UK invasion where a lot of these UK speakers are trying to come to the US. And I'm, it's so funny when they come on the podcast because I cuss a lot. But yeah. those dudes say cussing to a whole nother level. You know, it's, the Brits do? Oh my God, yeah. Um, and I have to forewarn them because there's a couple of words that they throw around like candy. I'm like, okay, look, this is, you know, a US 
based primary show. I mean, it plays in almost a hundred countries now, but you know, you got to be careful with a certain couple of words. The F bomb, yeah. fine, but but there's some other words you just can't bring to the table. But yeah, 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 yeah. You know, but Profit First is probably that and the Pumpkin Plan. I think are the two books of yours that get thrown around the most, at least in my circles. You know, yeah. yeah. Um, was Profit First the, the, the first book out of the, out of the collection? Or? No, uh, so I, I've written five books and, uh, well, te- technically six, if you ask my publisher. Profit First has been re-released as an ex- revised and expanded, so that's considered two. Okay. But uh, I wrote this book called The Toilet Paper Entrepreneur. That was my- Oh, book. I remember that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it was kind of just uh, kind of spit in the face of traditional authorship. And uh, it was my angry teenage years. And- uh, <laughs> But it worked. It worked. It put me on the map, at least with a publisher, and it built a small cult following. The Pumpkin Plan was my first kind of mainstream book, and then Profit First has been the breakthrough. Yeah, that, that's that's one of that you know the phrase really really put you on the map is that yeah. book. I mean, I, I mean I'm in Fort Worth, Texas, you know my hometown, and I know there's like little workshop groups to get together and just discuss that book. Oh, that's awesome. I love you know, that. You know, yeah. I mean, uh, and the content and everything's out of that. But I'm, I'm curious, when you wrote that book, was that philosophy for your business or was that, you know, uh, something you were attempting to do and thought it would be, you know, like that breakthrough for other people if you took them on the same journey? Oh, yeah. No, that was purely for me. So, uh, I, you know, it's interesting. You, when you hear a resume of an entrepreneur, like, like me, I, I share the highlights like, Oh, you know, built a couple of companies, sold them. Blah, blah, blah. The, the, the thick of the story for most entrepreneurs is the struggle, uh, you know, the entrepreneurial poverty. Yep. And I had evaporated all the wealth I'd accumulated in some prior businesses that were laden with debt. I just was able to sell them to make that pay off the debt and make money. And, uh, Never really understood profit. Well, I, I started this third business, uh, that I conveniently leave off my resume that, I evaporated everything I had, lost my house over, lost possessions, did not lose my family. That's the one thing. They stood by me and uh, went through depression for a couple of years from 2008 to 2010. Uh, the highest level of depression was called uh, fu- functional depression. And um, you know, a drinker and stuff. And during that phase, I realized that I fundamentally didn't know the most basic elements of entrepreneurship. Profits one, I, I didn't, I realized all these things I was doing was was asinine or or, or, or misunderstood, and so profit. What I realized is I, I we we've even been told this that profit's the bottom line or the year end. The, the, every book I've read is profit comes last. What I realized is like oh my god, I, I've been putting profit last. I don't consider it until April fifteenth. Once a year, I look at profit when there's nothing there. I go, damn it, maybe next year. <laughs> right. And uh, I'm like, Why? wait, your business is supposed to profit? I, I'm confused by that. Right, right, yeah, right. And that's, that's what my old accountant used to say. It's like, you don't, you don't want to profit. You want to, hey, congratulations, you have nothing left. And I'm like, what? <laughs> I mean, it made no right, that's the whole reason I'm in business. <laughs> I know, it made no sense. And, uh, you know, and, and entrepreneurship is not a parent-child relationship. I, I call BS on that. Like, we, we often say, oh, I started a business. I gave life to it. It's my child. And one day, it'll, I'll nurture it and care for it. It'll come back and feed me. No it's more of conjoined twins. Like as the business goes, we go. And as we go, the business goes. So if I'm struggling at home, my business is going to struggle. And if I'm struggling in business, my home's going to struggle, especially the finances. Our finances are in so lockstep. So I said, I got to really resolve this and realize that it's human nature. When something comes last, it's insignificant. So profit can't be last 
profit has to come first. And the execution, of course, is make profit a habit. Every time you have a sale, immediately take a predetermined percentage of that money, it's profit, hide it away in your business, repeat day in, day out, and you've assured profitability. Yeah, yeah, no, it's awesome. It's awesome. You know, it's one of those books, I mean, at least it was for me when I read through it, it just made sense, right? Because same thing, school of hard knocks, you know, I'm a guy that, you know, somebody can tell me that, that the stove is hot, the stove is hot, the stove is hot, and I'm still touch it twice just to make right, sure. Right, right, right. You know, um, but it was one of those books that when you read it, you're like, okay, that makes sense to me, so why don't I do it? So, you know, I started employing some of the principals in the company and then, you know, being typical, you know, growing up financially foolish, you know, you're like, oh, well, we're hitting a downturn. Well, let's just pull from the profit pile we've already put over here and move that over into the business. And you're like, okay, that's not the whole thing of the whole principles of the book, right? Yeah. Now, but, you know, it was, it was a fun read. What, what did that success of that book do for your business, your company? You know, what evolved or changed for you? Yeah, so uh, that's an interesting question. There's a couple of realizations. When the book hit, so it came out four years ago, Two years ago, I did the re-release and it hit right away. I then, it's funny how ego is. I'm like, oh my God, now I'm going to get all these main stages like Seth Godin, move over. Right? Here comes Mike, Mike Polish McCallowitz. Yeah, and, I mean, because you got that name that just belongs in lights. Right, right, exactly. <laughs> where like, you see the movie theater and it's like, it's, my last name is two lines where they got to put it Right, down. right, right. Or it's like turned down on the edge. <laughs> right, that's even better. Like this, this limp penis of a name. Right, exactly. Um, so that's funny. So uh, first my ego's like, oh, you know, move over Seth Godin, Malcolm Gladwell, here comes the new main stager. And it was like deadly silence. I'm like, but hold on, the book's so popular. And it went on for a year like this. And my agent who I spoke to, I'm like, get ready to bump up speaking fees. Nothing. And, um, and so then I was like, okay, I guess, I guess it takes more than just a popular book. And then about a year ago, uh, all of a sudden then it did hit. And it's not move over uh, Seth Godin, but it's like, oh, you're speaking, Seth Godin is coming after you and Malcolm right, Gladwell right, after you. Right. So that, that happened. So what I realized is, is when a book hits, it takes, I guess it takes time for it to start playing out in other facets, which is speaking. But I think th that's to satisfies my ego and I love public speaking and it's just a joy. But I think- Well, look, nobody it, writes a book without wanting to get a little bit of that ego. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah and I call it a Z-list celebrity. Z-list celebrity. Z-list, So if there's another alphabet out there, I'm in that alphabet. You, right, right. <laughs> no, I get it. I, I, I think I put myself in position Z and what's funny is, that means if I walk through an airport, no one knows who I am except one person every like third or four airport trip will say, ah, and you get one fan comes up and is like, are you Mike McAllis? Um, Actually, one person came up and said, are you Tony Hawk? <laughs> and I'm like, no, fuck, no. Um, but, but someone will say that. And then other people are like, who's this guy? Like, it's like a we very weird. Well, your next book, dude, you just got to put your picture on the cover. I mean, that's I all. Put Tony uh, Hawk on picture. I, yeah, I mean, me and my, my strange brother, Tony Hawk. <laughs> it's it kind of we these weird moments where no one knows, of course, no one knows who I am except one person who just happens and they lose their shit, but everyone else is confused by it. Yeah. And everybody's like, why? I mean, why? Who's this guy? Is he your doctor? Like, is right. he, yeah. did he save your life? Right. And then, um, but the bigger thing is, uh, is so I want my mission to eradicate entrepreneurial poverty. We now have metrics in place and I get emails in. Actually, I can see two came in since we started our interview. I get emails in three or four an hour now, five or six of people saying, 
for, I, I've drawn the line in the sand because I asked, actually asked people in the book to email me. So it's not like just, right. you know, I say, email me if you're committed to this. And they come in constantly now. And I can, just, I can see, I can measure the changes having in business. And that is like the greatest joy of my life. If, if I'm ever down, I just have to, for me, all I have to do is log in the email now and just sit there for an hour and I'm like, okay, everything's okay, Mike. You're not right, a total right. loser. Right. Get pumped up. Well, and I, I wanted people to hear that, that last phrase you just said, because, you know, everybody's chasing something, you know, yeah. I, I think you know, I've had a lot of comment even this morning, you know, with a couple of guys that I talked to, um, they were like, man, if I can just have this happen in my life, or I can just have this happen, you know, life yeah. will be X. And I kept trying to tell them like, life is never X life is right. You know, yeah, right yeah. now, you know, is, is that time you need to embrace. You don't need to hit some sort of trigger mechanism to, to be catapulted to the next version of your life. And I love the fact that you were, were humble enough to say, you know, that there's days you're like, you know, this day sucks, this day is horrible, and you got to go look at an email to make sure life is on the same path and track, right? Because it's, it's oh, good for yeah. people who aren't even in the first level of the alphabet, you know, list, you know, yeah. you know, you got the Z list, you know, rock star yeah. status, you know, to hear those kind of things. Because there's a lot of people that, I mean, some of the fans of the show I know are like, holy cow, it's Mike McAllowitz, right? He's got profit first and this, that, and the other. So they put you in this rock star status, you know, and yeah. oftentimes when people put people in that kind of rock star status, they give them like this super power feats of strength and everything else. Like yeah. nothing ever happens to them, right? They're always, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. killing it and crushing it. So I, I really appreciate that, that humility you, you, that you threw well, out. I don't want to speak to that because I think this is so important. I, uh, I believe when we see someone as in a better position, we put them on a pedestal, we look up to them, right? The same term or, or really that's actually a form of envy. And I think it's very damaging to ourselves. If you say, oh, this guy is better than me. I wish I like him. We're ba at the same time saying I am less than. And when we see ourselves as less than, we want to disassociate. We actually want to pull someone down. It's human nature to say, well, that person doesn't deserve it. You know what? McCallowitz, the guy who probably makes his money selling drugs, clearly, right? Like, <laughs> you pull him down. Um, pity is actually just as damaging. Pity is where you see yourself here, and then there's like that homeless person on the street, like, thank God that's not me, and it causes avoidance. We move around them. Both of them, there's a disassociation with. And so I think they're very damaging. I, I don't think we ever should use the term look up towards someone or look down to someone. I think we should always say look over. Um, mm. As cheesy as it is, I'm big on like, like, uh, monikers and totems and this uh, thing you can't, you can't really see but it's an infinity circle and that's my reminder that all of us are on the exact same path no one's in front or behind each other we're you know we're just in different positions on the path and uh, we have just much to learn from someone who's in the deepest struggles as someone as we perceive as having the greatest successes all of them are learning experiences and we can call from each other but if we look up or look down we disassociate I think we just need to say you know, Donnie, I look over to you. I want to learn from you. Tell me your secrets. Mike, I look over to you. So never, I say, never look up, never look down. No, I love that. I love that. And I, I never heard it really put in that perspective. But, you know, Richard Branson, when he takes people out to his private island. Yeah. You know, one of the first things he asks everybody out there is teach me something. And, I, and yeah, I've yeah. always been fascinated by that because you got Richard Branson, one of the wealthiest men in the world, one of the most cool CEOs, at least that's the, the brand he puts out in the marketplace, right? Right. You know, so you hope half of that's true, you know, yeah. but, but the fact that everybody comes back from the island going, you know, Richard Branson asked me to teach him something, you know, and I'm always curious to say, okay, what could you teach Richard Branson? And, 
And, you know, I think a lot of those guys just pull some random shit out of their ass. But, you know, uh, I taught Richard Branson. Really? Really? You know? <laughs> I, I, I've never heard that story. I love it. I love yeah. it. And, and I think it speaks, therefore, to great intelligence. Because I bet you uh, we, we all have something to teach as much as he has to teach us. Like he, the funny thing is I don't think he's more successful than uh, a brand new startup entrepreneur by certain definitions, the wealth he's accumulated, the exposure he's gotten. But I, I don't know, and not, this is not judgment. I don't know what his family life is like. I don't know what his balance is like. I, I don't know his contribution to society is like, I, I, I don't know. Uh, I also think that we hold people to a higher uh, celebrity ship when they have broader impact as opposed to deep impact. And yeah, I think most of us are designed for deep impact. Uh, I, I'm in, let me use Dr. Oz because that's an example that comes to mind. Dr. Oz initially was a cardiovascular surgeon who had very deep impact. He saved some people's lives forever. He gave people not six more hours of life, but 60 more years of life because of his work. He then made a choice, and this is a choice, to be go broad, meaning he went on Oprah, he started talking about health, and now the guy, he's impacting many people. The thing is, the difference is, Dr. Oz now has a very broad impact, but it's very shallow. You see him on a TV show and eat your vegetables is, is the lesson. Um, when he worked as a cardiovascular surgeon, now he's a very deep impact. I think it's a choice. And I don't think one is better than the other. The, the shame is we hold up to celebrity ship people with only broad impact. It's the famous football player, the famous movie star. Uh, it's the famous author like Malcolm Gladwell, someone I exalt. But I've never met Malcolm Gladwell. He's just had an impact on so many people, and it's a name that other people recognize. Right. I think there's equal, regardless of what we do, uh, of significance in people that are going after deep impact. So, so I guess the lesson here is don't, don't aspire necessarily to be broad. Aspire to be who you are called to be. And if it's deep, go deep. If it's broad, it's broad. If it's something else, do it. Just you know, speak truly to yourself. They're all yeah. significant. Matt, I love that because it's, it's, it's such a powerful message because, you know, most people that have, that in my belief, that have hit a, a celebrity S status, yeah. they're really good at one thing. Right, right. They right. good. You know, right. and, they're, they're, it's, and it comes down to kind of marketing, right? You, you know, um, I love telling people all the time, I'm like, Tony Robbins, right? One of the, the biggest motivational speaker in the world. And I ask people all the time that they're like, oh my God, it's Tony Robbins, it's Tony Robbins. And Dude, he's done amazing things. I'm not knocking for anything, right? Amazing. But I ask people all the time, I'm like, what is Tony's job? And people are like, oh, he's the CEO of the company, blah, blah, blah. I mean, no, he's not. And they, and they look at me and they're like, what do you mean? I'm like, Tony's job is to be the face of the company. Yeah, spokesperson. That's what yes, I Yes, that's yeah. it, right? He yeah. is the face. Yeah. You know, Gary Vee, he's the face of the company. Yep. You know, all of these guys, you can call me Mike Michalowicz, the Z-list celebrity, you know, is, is the face of the company. Now, all that to say, it's not meaning they're not making decisions, they're not having vision, but they are the PR machine. Their job is to build brand awareness for their companies. That's the broad stroke. It's like, it's like a band, right? So yeah. the band, the front man is the one who everyone knows. Yep. And it's constantly with the groupies, right? But the, the drummer and the bassist and the keyboardist who's behind the curtain sometimes, they're the ones collectively that need to make the music. Yep. And, and I think that's what these organizations have. I think we can position ourselves as the spokesperson and we will get all the accolades. I think the day I start believing that, over. Have, that's you, when have you seen Bohemian Rhapsody yet? I watched, what about it? I watched uh, it. You've, you've seen the movie? Yeah. I love the whole scene where the, the point that the, uh, I can't remember the name, but the lead singer of Queen 
um, Freddie Mercury. Yeah. Freddie Mercury. Thank you. That that he you know hits all the fame and then he goes out on his own. He launches his own band, right? And he's trying to create the music and it, and it all fails. Can't miserably. do it. And he comes back to his guys and he goes, you know, they did everything I told them to do. Yeah. Yes. Right. Yes. Right? And I'm like, that oh, that's it. That's it. He goes, they weren't pushing back. They, they, they did everything. And the problem is, is I don't know how to do all the stuff you guys were great at. Yeah. And I think a great leader recognizes that, that as a spokesperson, you, you, you gotta be careful about being inauthentically humble too. I see that too. It's like, Oh, it's not, it's not me. It's not me. Like and declining. And it's actually um, discrediting the people who are, are fans of yours. Right. right. So you, you can't do that. The same thing, you can't say, it is me, it is all me, because now you're discrediting the people that are collectively making uh, the product or the service that you do. So it, it is a fine balance. Um, I also think for the, the rest of the band, like, you know, Freddie Mercury um, was the recognized brand, and you have uh, Brian May, who had a little bit of popularity, and the other two guys, like, what was their names? Right. Like, and that, that's an ego check for them, too, but they're just as important. They're just as important. Yeah, I mean... And look, even if Freddie would have made it in a solo type career type thing, yeah. even then he still has a band behind him. Yes, yeah, right. Even then, it's that's right. true. You know, the crazy thing about this whole riding journey is, you know, you know, like we talk about, we take a team. Oh, that's where I was going. Is you know, I know like the things that I'm really good at. I'm really good on podcasts. I'm really good at interviews. Love talking on stage and all that stuff. Right. But but here's the thing: I suck at the accounting side of things. Yeah. Um, you know, I should read your book again, profit first, but it would probably help me out a little bit, but you know, um, it's, it's a lot for entrepreneurs, business owners, whatever screwed up title you want to give yourself founding badass, you know, is, is knowing your lane and knowing what you're good at and then mm -hmm. finding the right people that geek out on the stuff that you suck at. Yeah. You know, it's like, I've got people that do some video editing for me. They freaking love that stuff. And they're amazing. I got people that do automated, you know, email campaigns for me. The gal who does some, a lot of the writing for me. I mean, I call her a magician every time. I don't know how she takes the crap I put together, spins yeah. it up and turns it into a masterpiece. She's just got a gift and a talent for it. But, but a lot of that is the humbleness for an individual to go, okay, this is my lane. This is what I'm good at. How do yeah. I find the other people, you know, to come along for that ride to, to pick up the slack for me, if you will. You know, there's this thing called this, I call it the superhero syndrome. When we first start our business, we have to do everything. Mm. You, know, you have to do the accounting. You have to do more. There's no one else there. So you have to. And then we start believing, wow, I can, I can do everything. And then we start superheroing in, swooping in when there's problems. Oh, I'll fix this. I'll fix that. And um, the, the trap is, when we bring on employees, we actually intervene with their progress. They, they start doing something like, oh, this is the way to do it. And we swoop in, we fix it and resolve it, disabling them from actually doing the work themselves. Plus, we leave off in a wake of destruction by us, behind us. Entrepreneurs, myself in particular, are notorious for fixing 5% of the problem, the big part that's noticeable, and 95% like, oh, we can skip that. And there's this shattered destruction behind us that needs to be swooped up and cleaned up. I, I, I found that I can't change my ego. I can't say, well, I'm just going to be Mr. Mike humble and everything's fine. <laughs> but what I did find is I can rechannel my ego. I used to be very proud of being the superhero, the save all for my business. I now use the term supervisionary. And what that means to me is I, I'm clear of where I want to take this organization, but I'm also as importantly clear about where my individual colleagues want to go in their lives. I meet with them constantly. And then my job is, okay, how can I help Amy and, and 
Mike, there's another Mike here and Ron and Kelsey and everyone here achieve what their vision is personally and have that align with the business. That's my job. And I put more significance in that than being a superhero. Now my ego is being filled. Hey, I'm, I'm doing what I'm meant to do. And the interesting thing is when I revert to being a superhero, because I revert back to it often and say, oh, I'll fix this and swoop in again. I realize that that is a step down in where I see myself. And then I put now negative context around it and I'm less likely to do it. Before, I thought if I, I had to remove myself from the business and no longer be the superhero, I saw that as a step down. So when I reverted back to the superhero role, I was stepping up and uh, therefore be stuck in it. So the goal is to put more significance in something else and it will naturally pull us out of doing the stuff that's actually not helping our business. Yeah, that's, that's a really, really interesting thought because you know I don't have kids, so I'm going to say this next statement with that caveat in front of it. But you know, oftentimes, you know, people that went through a rougher childhood, maybe they didn't have all the things they wanted as a kid. By the time they have kids, they spoil the hell out of them because they've right. had some success, right? And then the kids don't learn the, the grind and drive that they learn to get and find that success. They hit, you know, the workplace and everything else and they're a little bit lost. Well, I oh. think entrepreneurs do the same thing, you know, with their employees, when you're oh, totally. swooping in, taking care of the problems, you're taking out the, the learning that they need to learn to evolve. You know, I run this all, in all the time to the creative side of things. And I think this is probably the biggest screw up entrepreneurs have is they have a creative vision of their brand, their image, their everything else. And when they try to explain it to somebody else, that other person doesn't grasp their, their vision of what are that brand, those color schemes or whatever else the creative side of their business is. So they're like, ah, oh, screw it. I'll just do it myself. You know? I, I was talking to this guy, Scott Olford, a while back. I met him and I put him actually in one of my books. He said, uh, you know, an entrepreneur will tell uh, an employee, hey, we need to cook food here. Get something that will cook food. And they come back with sticks and rocks to spark a, a fire. And we're pissed off. Like, don't you understand? I wanted a Viking. Right. Uh, you know, <laughs> and the employee's like, Employees like, oh, I'm so sorry, but the reality is we didn't communicate what yeah. we wanted. They did the job, uh, and other times they get the Viking and we're like, no, I just wanted sticks and rocks, you know. So I think, first of all, empowering them, and then to make decisions, but also giving them the freedom that if they don't comply with our our vision, uh, to realize that may maybe it's not their fault, maybe we didn't communicate it well, or maybe their vision for that thing is actually better than ours. Maybe sticks and rocks is better. So it's this, this clingingness we have to the, what we have as a personal vision, our personal mission, how we see things play out in our mind. And we can get uh, upset when, when other people don't see what we see, but we're often not communicating it well at all. Well, and I would also add in there that I think, you know, once again, I'll speak for myself. There was a lot of times along this journey so far where I wanted somebody to swoop in and just take care of that problem for me. Right. Yeah. Right. I, I you know, if, if this was an issue or problem, whatever it is, you know, I wanted to go, okay, this is now yours. Right. And take it completely off my plate. Yeah. And when it comes back and it's not what I had envisioned, I'm like, what the hell? You know? Yeah. You know? Right. <laughs> That's called abdication, right? So many people think they're doing delegation when they're doing abdication. Abdication right. is where you just assign. Thank you. I just learned you know. a whole new word today. I appreciate yeah, it. Yeah, big word, big word, big word. <laughs> I wanted to drop it instead of finally got to use it. But uh, that's where you sign something. He's been waiting the whole episode just to use that. I know, I know. I'm not going to be able to use this. I just got to start blurting it out if you didn't have a question. <laughs> but uh, abdication is 
simply point someone and say, you take care of this. And that is the entire instruction set. Um, and then entrepreneurs are notorious for, for two scenarios, either micromanagement where it's total control, you know, st here's step one, here's step one, a one B right. two or abdication, which is the polar opposite. And that both of them are extremely ineffective. Both of them prohibit growth of the organization. So how does an individual, you know, not go to the extremes of both of those and actually find that happy medium, you know, combination. Cause I, I mean, I know I'm guilty of both. Yeah. Um, because you know, sometimes I'm like, okay, I've got to tell them what to do. Or they're not going to figure it out. So it's all right, let's roll out the PowerPoint. Let me walk you through the 500 steps to get that I need to get done. Or the other yeah. times I, you know, I dish off it. So how do you find that happy medium between the two? Yeah. So the, the, this simple, you ask, like literally you ask the employee, you say, listen, uh, we, I want you to achieve certain results here in the organization. I know you want to achieve these results. Uh, I will give you information. I need to know from you exactly what is enough information to give you direction. And when am I going into the field where it's too much, where it's actually hurting your creativity? Uh, I need the reverse too. If I'm just giving you way too little and you can't achieve the, uh, the visions that I have and, and are unclear on that, I need to know too. It, it's communication. It's asking. And uh, shockingly, we don't do that often. And it's not asking once. It's not like you sit down at the first day of their job and say, your job is to tell me when I'm not telling you what you need to know about me. Like, I don't even know if that makes sense, but you know what I'm saying. It's constant communication. It's constantly. Our, our little company, we're going on a company retreat um, to Nashville, Tennessee, literally next week. And uh, the whole thing is about communication. We're just going to sit there and just dialogue and have talk, build that rapport. Uh, we have a uh, half day to set to just learn about each other's stories because I know to grease the wheels of this organization, it's the communication and trust amongst each other. It's the ability for my colleague who I write her paycheck out to come back to me and say, Mike, you're being an ass about so-and-so and not feel threatened or at risk. And that'll only happen if we have a true connection beyond uh, a functional connection that we have a human connection. I think that's where the answers come in, in that human connection. And I love that. And I think, you know, I don't know. I think some people, when they go into business, they're looking for the pedestal, right? They're looking for well, sure. people to look up to them and, and you know, sure. be that guy. And I think that was a hard lesson for me because I know that was part of my struggle as well is, is, is I wanted the people to see me in a certain light, um, which, you know, put me in this weird you know, situation of how I was dealing with vendors and stuff until, you know, one of my mentors and coaches would go, dude, you're being an ass, knock it off, you know, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, but, but it's that whole thing is, is realizing as you rise or myself rises, um, you're not Superman, right? You know, you're, you're not creating something that hasn't been created before. You're yeah. just repackaging somebody else's shit up into a better, more usable, consumable product and format, you know, um, I love the fact that you're taking your employees and things out on retreats and stuff. Is that something you did out the gate with your company? Or is that something you evolved into? Well, we've, we've done out of the gate, but we've also evolved into like, like going to Nashville is because we've had quarter after quarter after quarter of profitability that's growing. And we reserve, we actually set up an account called the retreat account and we've been reserving money for it. So the first retreat, you know, 10 years ago was, uh, we went to Starbucks. We couldn't afford lunch. <laughs> so we went to Starbucks, me and my partner, and we just said, hey, let's just hang out for 20 minutes before they race back to work. So it, it is something that evolves. Um, but what I did was recently, I did uh, a four-week vacation. 
it's something I wrote about in one of my books. And the idea is this, that you, if you can extract yourself for your, from your business for four weeks, a full disconnect, and the business can operate or grow in your absence, you've proven a business can likely run into perpetuity in your absence. So I think I everyone on this, right across the world that's just getting going just took this big gasp. Because what they, was that? I think every entrepreneur that's on the grow in their oh. business just took this huge gasp because they know there's no way in hell their business functions if they're gone. Yeah, yeah, which is a major problem, right? If, if, you're, if you're carrying the business on your back, um, that means the day you, and everyone will take a four-week vacation or longer when, the day you die or get sick. Or, <laughs> right. So it is going to happen. Um, we got to make it deliberate so that we're prepared for it. And the funny thing is I, I've been presenting on this concept throughout the globe. When I was in Europe talking about this, you're like, we do, we do this. Literally yesterday, I just flew back from BMW. I was there yesterday. They're like, uh, we all take a four-week vacation. All of August, basically Germany shuts down. And like BMW ain't going out of business. Right. I think if you're, we need to do this for our small businesses. And so I went on a four-week vacation uh, last year. My next one coming up, um, actually not too far away. And when I did it, um, it's not any businesses. Per- I, I came back and it wasn't like, oh, it was perfect. I put a lot of structure in place to make that happen, but there were some problems. One of the problems I realized is the internal communication. I had become this choke point. When, when people had a question, they come to me, they come to me, a group would come to me, what's Mike's final decision? But they weren't making decisions laterally, internally. Well, in my absence, that they, they were forced to, but there were some uncomfortable things, like this person really doesn't know the other person, should they approach them, even though we're only 14 people. So that's why we're doing this retreat. It's all about just building rapport. Like we're literally, we're just going to, we're doing a cooking session together. We're, we're going to have some wine together. We're just going to talk about our lives together. We're going to talk about our struggles and challenges just to, to have that human connection. Love it. I, mean, I really believe it greases the wheels. Love it. You know, the years. I don't know why this popped in my head, but I got a strange question for you. I feel like it's strange. What is your actual business? What is it your company? I don't freaking know. <laughs> <laughs> so my business is I am a full-time author. I write books. That's what yeah. I do. I behind some people are like you can't make any money doing that, which is total bull. You can make you can become very wealthy as an author if you do it right. Uh, the lesson here is I, I interviewed Tim Ferriss on how to be an author. I had some one-on-one time with him a long time ago, by the way. He doesn't talk to me now, but a long time ago. Uh, and uh, he said, "Yeah, of course you can make money." I before that, I was just talking to people about being an author and like, you'll, yes, you'd make no money. That's horrible. And I said, well, what's been your experience? Like, I've never written a book. I don't know. Don't trust people that haven't done it. Right. Um, trust people have done it and the people have failed, learn why they failed. And I learned and then talk to people that have been successful and find out the difference and then go for the ones that are successful. Um, so I'm an author full time. I've licensed Profit First, Clockwork, The Pumpkin Plan, I have a new book coming out to other companies and they pay me an override of revenue. So I have a consistent revenue stream from all these different companies. What do you mean by license? You've licensed a program or? Yeah, the program. So there's a company called Run Like Clockwork that teaches the clockwork system. They're the sole oh, license. Cool. They pay me a licensing fee up front and then they pay me a 15% override. Prop First Professionals is a membership organization for accountants. And, so and you've got accountants all over the world, I know, that, that teach. Yeah, over 350 now. Yeah. And I, uh, so I licensed it to the organization um, but I also, in that case, I also took an equity interest. Um, but the other two companies, I don't have any equity, just a licensing fee they pay me. No, that's really cool. So, so guys, it's just one of those things that I mean, as, as other people were on their journey, you know, one of the things that I had to do is turn off the people that hadn't done it before. Yeah. Right. And, and realize somebody else has carved the trail. Go learn from them. 
you know, and, and get advice from along that way. Dude, I got to tell you, man, this has been one hell of a ride. I, I had no idea what you and I were going to get into. And I, and, uh, it's actually been kind of fun. I mean, yeah, I would recap my head's like, oh, so we talked about entrepreneur. <laughs> you learned a new word, abdicate. Uh, I don't do, don't do the spelling bee thing on me. If you ask me to spell abdicate, I'm oh, not, I don't know how to spell it either. Yeah. You know, I think it starts, I think it starts with an A. Maybe. <laughs> we talked about Z level celebrities in there somewhere. Which is <laughs> Z level celebrities. Yeah. <laughs> oh, so that's awesome. Um, but dude, I really appreciate you jumping on here and doing this. Um, here's how I like to wrap up every show. Yeah. And I do stump some people on this. So, so get ready. But 17 inches. <laughs> Did I get it right? What's the question? I don't want to ask what 17 inches is. Oh, I, I don't know. <laughs> right. Right. Now, if you were going to leave the champions who listen to this show, um, people from all over the world, business owners, entrepreneurs, everybody who's trying to make that next move in their life, if you were going to leave them with a quote, a phrase, a mantra, a saying, something they can take with them on their journey, especially when they're stacked up against it and going through it, what would be that quote or phrase you would say? Remember. So I have it above my desk. It's uh, Oscar Wilde says, be yourself. Everyone else is already taken. Yeah, I love it. It's one of my favorite quotes of all time. Yeah. You know, um, I actually didn't know it came from Oscar Wilde. I saw it on a meme on Instagram one time. I'm like, oh, it's brilliant. It's brilliant. It's brilliant. <laughs> I, actually, I went to Ireland, uh, not specifically for this, but visited his, uh, there's a statue for him. He lived in Ireland, visited his old home. We're at in Ireland because we were just there last year. Uh, outside Dublin. Oh, no kidding. Yeah. Dublin was my least favorite city. Did you see we, the, uh, the, the stiletto in the ghetto, that big spike in the middle of the city? No, I don't oh. I didn't think we saw it. We only spent yeah, a day. I, I would say it's my least favorite too. It, it, it's because it's like any other metropolitan. Yeah, and that's what my wife and I kept saying is you go to Ireland, you go to Dublin. And don't get me wrong, I'm not knocking Dublin. I'm not knocking Ireland by any means. No, um, no, my God. It's like, one, if it's like any other big city. The people in Ireland are, I would argue, the most a nice, genuine. Nicest people. Yeah, and I've been all over this world. India is number two, but Ireland is number one. I, did you do the, the, like the bed and breakfast thing for most? Oh, yeah. yeah. Yep. Dude, I want to tell you, the nicest people, they, they were so genuine. The, the, and the breakfasts are insane. Oh, insane. <laughs> it was Larney. Yeah. Eating my blood pudding. <laughs> yes. Yes. And the two different styles and all that. I did. It was so awesome. Yeah. So awesome. But, but dude, man, I really appreciate you doing this. Thanks for jumping Thank on here, man. Uh, looking forward to many big things coming. Thank you. And the ground is no place for a champion. Wow, what a fun episode. Holy wow. I mean, I got to tell you, you know, when you see some of these guys that have hit somewhat of celebrity status and they maintain this cool level of humility like Mike did all the way through this, it's just a fun thing to see. It's a great conversation to be a part of. Um, you know, if you like those, you know, rise together authentic style conversations on a regular basis you really need to come hang out with us in our facebook group success champions um daily we're putting out cool inspirational stuff we're having awesome stories and we're really helping others rise and go together so come hang out with us 
just go to Facebook, type in Success Champions, look for it in groups, um, and join up, introduce yourself, and come tell us hi. We'll be glad to have you there. If you got any value out of the show whatsoever, do me a favor, rate it, review it, um, share it with at least one friend that would get value out of it. It would mean everything to me um, to get more people you know, sharing and listening to these stories and, you know, ratings and reviews mean everything. So wherever you listen to this podcast, leave a rating, leave a review, share it with a friend. I really appreciate you guys. Thank you for being champions. Thank you for listening to the show. Keep blowing shit up and keep going big. Kevin and I have a lot of fun each week recording these episodes and sharing our best thoughts and ideas with you all. Man, we're just proud to, to have you guys as listeners always tuning in. And we really appreciate the messages. We get the DMs, emails, and the likes from you guys with questions and ideas for future shows. And that just means the world to us. We really are changing how the world networks. We've poured our heart and soul into Success Champions Networking, and it continues to grow. So if you haven't checked out a chapter and you're looking for a mastermind group of pure, absolute badasses that understand that giving introductions are way more powerful than referrals, go to successchampionnetworking.com and request a visit. And thanks for being you. Thanks for being a champion of your success, because that's what it means to be a success champion.